0: Welcome to Live Sense8. I'm Sheila Applegate.
1: And I'm Zach Hansen.
0: And a special shout out to Justin Applegate for the composition of the... Live Sensate podcast music. In this podcast, we dive deep into the concepts of consciousness and other interesting trivia in the Netflix original series, Sense8. We're doing an episode by episode exploration of how we can live a Sensate life. And we're also talking with cast and crew and team members of Sensate to hear the experience from their perspective.
1: Enjoy the show. And this week's episode is brought to you by Divine Phoenix Books. Books with a purpose for a positive change. What's going on?
0: In this segment, we talk about what's going on in the world of Sense8 fandom. Pretty big week. Netflix released the official trailer for Sense8 Special, and in about 24 hours, already has 944,875 views on YouTube alone. IMDb has it on its trailer list, as suggested trailers to view, and Twitter Moments has acknowledged the trailer. Also... Sensei is trending in the hashtag. So we've got some movement picking up. We have all kinds of creative ideas floating around out there. People are viewing the trailer and video the, videoing themselves, reacting to it. And the flyer campaign is picking up, and Twitter is picking up, and Facebook is picking up. So whatever you find is in alignment with you, pick it up and keep it moving. I think the idea is to get as many viewers as possible to watch the special as soon as it comes out on June eighth. Zach and I will be attending the screening at the Music Box Theater in just a couple of days. So that's pretty exciting. We are going to Do a special episode when we get back and tell you all about it. Not about the special, of course. (laughs) We will not spoil. But we'll talk about being in Chicago, hanging with the people, and everything that goes on that will be of interest to you. So let's get on with today's show.
1: Now on to episode 10. What is human? We have the directors, Lana and Lily Wachowski. We have the writers, which is Lana, Lily, and J. Michael Straczynski. We have the producers, Alex Bowden, L. Dean Jones Jr., Marcus Logues. We have composer Johnny Kilmick and Tom Twyker, cinematographer John Toll, editors Joe Hobeck, Joseph Jet Solly, casting director Carmen Cuba, and production designer Hugh Bateup. So we
0: start this episode back in the Garden of Exile.
1: Mm-hmm. Wolfie's got a big decision to make.
0: Well, they're all in there, I they think. Are. They all have a big decision to make in some ways.
1: There's... I would say, so I'm, I'm just th- mulling this about Will, not so much. But Kala, yes.
0: Kala and Son,
1: for sure. Wolfgang, yes. Leto. Leto, yeah. So maybe not Nomi or Caffius in this episode so much as, as yeah. far as decision making. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. And Riley. It's kind of in the background with um, Riley, stay in Iceland or leave, mm-hmm. kind of thing. But she doesn't let go of her past and accept Will. In there's some things in there, but they're not as in the forefront. Yeah, that's prominent. Yeah. So I have to say, now when we see the Garden of Exile, I think of our hallway in our house. <laughs> We did. We reenacted a scene um, with Martin. We'll see what, what he does with it.
1: If anything makes the cut.
0: Yeah. But he's got such a creative, brilliant mind. And um, anyway, he was able to sort of take our hallway and, and recreate that scene when he was here. So now, I don't know if that brought the Garden of Exile into our house or what. But now I think I'll go to my hallway when I want to contemplate life. <laughs> <laughs> so, an interesting connection between Leto and Wolfgang here in this episode. We really see them kind of bonding in a way they haven't before and helping each other out.
1: Well, so first. is it the first time Leto really jumps in to help? Like, because he's an actor, he's, so... Yeah,
0: he's done a couple little things, because, but they've not been as conscious. Like, we've seen things happen.
1: Because he's kind of the last one into the show. Like, it, it, what I mean by that, he's the last one into the cluster that really embraces... He
0: was. You, he was helped a lot. He's helped a lot in his scenes. When he was acting, he would end up helping out, like in the museum scene. Yeah. But this coming in and consciously getting to know people and help is increasing here for sure, especially with Wolfgang. So, all right, so before we go too deep into Wolfgang and Leto, I just have to say, brilliant to keep the diamonds in the ice cube trays. (laughs) I am going to be checking every ice cube tray for diamonds now. I'm like, holy crap, that's so smart. Now, maybe diamond thieves know that trick but i thought that was really cool
1: it was very cool and i just one little subtlety as he's um thawing the diamonds and putting them in the bag his, his desk is just full of safes locks and so you could tell that like that that's just a little tiny subtle glimpse into his reality how he practices like that's uh, we're assuming that's his home
0: right and that that he takes his trade seriously right like it's, it's the way his mind works, too, right? So it's not just a what he does, but it shows his smart one, which his cousin says to him, you're the smart one, you know? right? Like being the smart kid in the family was not necessarily honored, but it's like he had to use his mind. Like it's almost like he needs something to put his mind on as he unlocks this The locks, he escapes. Like, it's a mind escape, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah, they they talked a little bit about that with the TV, too. In Caffius' house, like, the escape. Anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, Wolfgang, basically, his cousin comes in, threatens Felix. So, Wolfgang sets up to go take the diamonds to him. And he has it all intricately planned, which Leto notices and points out. But at one point, he gets... Himself caught because he's just a there's just too much space between him and the gun. And Leto comes in and helps him by lying because he says, lying is what I do. Um, And he gets him out of a situation there.
1: Well, it almost brings Leto out of his situation too, right? Because he's in the bathtub. The last time we really saw him, he just tried to commit suicide. And now he has to help Wolfgang. Right. So it kind of like and helps, he's starting to pulls him out of his yeah. despair
0: and kind of come to terms with what he does and find the good in it again. Slightly, you know, see, use it to his advantage instead right. of beating himself up for it. Yeah. So then Wolfgang says that. Um, well, Wolfgang couldn't lie, and then Lido helps him out, and Lido says, "Lying is easy. It's what I do." And then Wolfgang says, sometimes when you make a mistake, you got two choices. You live with it or you fix it. And so later he talks about that he's fixing it. You know, he's kind of talking about himself, but he's talking about Leto. Then Leto goes back to the bar and does something about...
1: Six tequila shots.
0: Right, tequila is squared. And like,
1: right, <laughs> a double and then two you squared. Him, you
0: want yeah. another, it's a double. Yeah, that, that's an interesting little conversation and then he kisses um the bartender who'd come on to him. So he was kind of an asshole in the last one making and the, tries to make up for yeah, it. You he know? does. But he says that his lips belong to another. So he's fixing that mistake.
1: He was so um romantic about it i was like man is he really like trying to get in touch with i think that's something like Horn- hernando would say or something right oh, yeah. he's like this is a stolen kiss and yada yada and it was just it was very poetic the way he did it it was
0: yeah it was actually a very beautiful yeah apology and then he goes yeah well yeah he's kind of now bringing himself from the stage into real life right R- and right that, that's a good point because then he goes and he rescues Danielle, Daniela, um, and that's an interesting thing because he just takes on that role of rescuer and goes in ready to beat up a guy with no beating up experience. I mentioned
1: this in a few podcasts ago when we were talking about the Bogganator, and this is Leto's Bogganator, and when I was, I'm just recalling here, when I was talking about Leto and the truth that he was going to shed, which was really a lie about himself, right? And to make that choice, whether or not he's going to um, have that little tiny part of his, his ego death in a way, or like a miniature death. And this is where we really start to see him step into that confrontation, right by fixing these mm-hmm. things but he's not just fixing something he is learning he is deciding that he's not going to live a lie anymore despite mm-hmm. his career right. so even though he's kind of going to go through hell in a way um because he built his his re- his reality on a lie he's really going to be empowered uh, as a as a human spirit and personality and soul and really embrace a more um, accepting and, and loving, like self-love, self-acceptance. And it really empowers him.
0: Yeah. And then this is interesting because Wolfgang gets to return the favor because obviously he starts this fight and he really isn't good at fighting. And Wolfgang comes in and helps him to get Daniela out of there. And then Wolfgang says it's easy. Fighting's what I do. Yeah. But in that same line, when he goes to Hernando and he makes he said he made a terrible mistake, but he's gonna forget it. Well, he calls him and says that. And then talks to him. And Daniela says it was unbelievable. It was like a scene from one of his movies for and this is to me the first real hint. So, like you said, he's he's engaging with the cluster more now, and he's receiving more direct help. He's having conversation, and his behavior. So, it wasn't just the helping, the receiving help from Wolfgang, which Daniela sees for the first time, and it's like the first window that maybe something's going on. Because remember, he's one of the ones who have talked to nobody. About this.
1: Right. And he's clearly not a fighter. Right. He's an actor.
0: Right. And yet somehow he was able to fight in this situation and bring it out from his show. Like, be like that. So we see Danny starting to notice that.
1: Yeah. So maybe a potential um, change in Leto just really... I know some other characters haven't done this, but for him particular in his story... Him deciding to be true to himself, maybe it helped him embrace the craziness that was going on in his mind.
0: That makes sense. Yeah.
1: You know, because that's, he's going to accept that he's a homosexual, right? And he doesn't want to live that lie anymore. But at the same time, he's got all of these weird experiences he doesn't talk about. But he's going to embrace that too a lot easier. Right. Right. Because it's just who he is. And he's just honoring that in an authentic way.
0: It's going to be interesting to see as it moves forward and into the special how he brings Daniela and Hernando into the mix. Because we have seen pictures of them together, although they could be still, they are stills from the finale or the special. But, uh, hmm it's a first hint
1: (laughs) then we have so wolfgang i want to talk about wolfgang a little bit this is kind of an interesting setup too you mentioned you know his cousin comes in to the hospital and he threatens felix right Mm -hmm. he's like well i'm gonna have felix killed and then wolfgang's like let's just cut to the bullshit i'm gonna give you the diamonds back and you're gonna give us a pass and before this we said we know that. Wolfgang has really been contemplating revenge, right? That was a theme that was going on, and it's going to get resolved here. But to me, is it revenge or is it self protection? Because you kind of know where this is going to go, right? Is is his cousin really going to forgive him for the rest of his life or not? Mm-hmm. And then, what other problems is this going to lead to down the road because he stole these diamonds? He didn't, you know, he didn't steal them from his cousin. <laughs> Right, his cousin thinks he did, but he stole them from a safe, not his cousin. But that's just the their relationship. So anyway, I was just kind of that question: is it revenge or is it self protection because of you know the the cause and effect of that? And do you have anything to say?
0: Well, yeah, like there is no way out of a family like that. Yeah, so. <laughs>
1: Right, and you can you can tell like Wolfgang's like he already knows what's going to happen in the end. It's like let's just cut to the bullshit, right. right? And that's the way he thinks. And I I see that in myself too because I can just see things act out in a certain way in certain situations. It's like oh let's just get this over with and skip the middle parts because <laughs> <laughs> right. I know where this is going to end. And um, when wolfgang was helping leto i thought that was a really sorry other way around when Lido was helping wolfgang when he was getting beat up by the car i thought that was really cool cinematography because they just kind of paused time and they yeah. sat and they had a conversation and so it's like this concept of timelessness when you're living in higher consciousness or connecting in a different way where they could just sit there and have a conversation and then you know, Lita's like, "Do you mind if I jump in there? I, I I can do something." You know, it's just they contemplate this while Wolfgang's got a gun to his head.
0: Yeah, and that's really important. I'm glad you pointed that out because that's how we do live in higher consciousness. How we can have those conversations, change things from the reaction to a conscious decision or interaction, and yeah, that. That stepping out of time, I mean, I've experienced it. Yeah, me too. And I think a lot of people have. And even when Martin was talking about the night he got attacked on on our podcast, not attacked on our podcast.
1: When he was on our podcast mm -hmm. and he talked about the day he was being attacked.
0: Yeah, it was like he kind of, there was a moment where he, he was just reacting and then he stepped out of time and realized, oh, there's a more strategic decision that I can make here. Mm-hmm. So that ability to raise our conscience. I mean, isn't that what higher consciousness is? It's, it's shifting our attention out of the one frequency into a higher frequency where we can navigate beyond time.
1: Right. So we can make a, hopefully a better decision yeah. for our, yeah. our being.
0: Which is huge, really. It's it's huge for both of them. And that in itself may have been what, what shifted each of them even more so than the actions that then were taken. Just that moment of knowing you can do something different. So that, yeah, that's really cool. So we have um, Kala making a decision here too, which we're going to go into more with a clip, but she's kind of... Still contemplating the wedding, kind of getting to know Wolfgang and figuring out who he's about and learning more about that life that she wasn't exposed to. So that's all going on. And then I thought was a really, it's just a one liner, but so interesting when she, she shows up at Caffius's and he's watching a Van Damme moving lion's heart. And He's got a 42-inch flat screen.
1: He knows all the specs.
0: <laughs> yeah. And she has this conversation, well, just a one line, that I think is, it's a question that a lot of people who aren't in poverty ask. I've heard that as a common question, and so I really like that that was in there. She, she says that she doesn't understand that even in the the poor areas of India she's seen people who don't have beds and yet they have a a giant television and um answers that by saying that it's simple a bed keeps you in the slums and a flat screen takes you out and on the simplest level I think that's really important for people who are not in poverty, who make judgments and say, oh, if the people really cared, they'd do something differently um, or put their money somewhere else and make...
1: Well, I'm in that boat. And it, it's not about... For me, it wasn't about judgment. It was about understanding. And it was, so when I went down to Peru and I went into a ketos, I've never been around... I mean, here in the States, we have poverty, but I've just never seeing the level of poverty and just how they were when I was there. And one of the things was, you know, they'd have shanties or whatever with three walls, but they have a satellite on top of it, like a dish TV. And I was just like, what is going on here? That's got to be really expensive to put that on the house compared to like having another wall or something. And another thing was, is you know, they're kind of like stuck in in Kitos, in my opinion, they're kind of stuck way back in like maybe the 80s, but they have older buses than the 80s. And inside these really old school buses, there is like a Sony radio with really good speakers, but the bus is like from the 20s or something. It was, it was really mind blowing to see what was going on with some of the high, high, um, high quality technology versus all the old stuff they had. So that was, it was a curiosity for me too. And they answered it right here. That's a good, good answer. It's an escape. And it doesn't
0: but going. I think it's more than escape because it's the imagination. It's the gate. It's the art. Art is important. No matter what level of poverty you're living in, art is what comes through that TV and imagination is sparked and you can't get yourself out of a situation unless you imagine something more. So that is not just yes, it is an escape. But it's a it's a gateway to imagining a new reality that makes that possible. And now we're seeing another gateway, which is the connecting from the limbic resonance to people from around the world. So that meditation, that ability to imagine, the ability to learn and connect with other ways of life is what alters our consciousness and allows us to do and act differently and create difference. So son, Riley and Will I'll have well, there is a father's theme going on here because we got a great conversation with Kala and her dad and um Wolfgang's kind of dealing with his father figure slightly through his cousin but anyway that's the reach but son son's father did follow through and do the paperwork and says you know so she's she's seeing her way out of prison because her father came to her aid wills in an interesting conversation with his dad
1: and Jonas brings up his dad,
0: his sense eight dad, his right. cluster dad, yep. yeah, and and taking the role with Will. There's a a long conversation with Jonas and Will in this one too, which we're going to do some clips from because that's a really important part of the episode. But Jonas is having a dialogue with him, kind of, because he is the father of the cluster, mm-hmm. so he's taking that fatherly role too. And then Riley's dad is going to the symphony and he's going to play. And so that we're going to talk about that symphony scene at the end. I think that's a really well, we've talked about it from the point of view of the music with Ethan. There's a lot going on in that scene, too. So, yeah, the father's father theme and seeing that relationship is kind of throughout it. So another interesting episode. But the, the title of the episode is What is Human? So it kind of explores that concept in a lot of different ways that we've already kind of talked about with a summary. But how about we do a clip?
1: All
2: right.
0: let's Let's us up to talk about that more.
2: It's Independence Day. Yeah. My parents were from India. I was born there, but they moved to London when I was a baby. In my 20s, I moved to New York. I never fully grasped where I owed my allegiance. Didn't know what I was supposed to sing—the Indian national anthem, Americans, "God Save the Queen." I envy people their clear-cut allegiances. And yeah, my dad's like that. In one beer, he's hammering the world into two different sides: Bears or Packers, us or them. He's more right than he knows. When you said we're not like them, did you mean we're not human? What is human? An ability to reason, to imagine, to love or grieve? If so, we are more human than any human ever will be.
1: What is human? What a great question. Yeah. I like to think of being human in... Th- I like, I like to play with words and spellings. So I always like to think about being human is if you were to spell it H U E hue, like the colors, the spectrum of light, hmm. because we have such a spectrum of exper emotional experience. We experience duality within emotions. We have reason and logic and, and, we're so emotional and not logic at all it's it's just such a a whirlwind of experience and we're creators on top of that like it's just a, a huge thing so anyway hue um i like to think of it as the the spectrum of colors that we can see is the spectrum of experiences that we could have as human
0: so it's interesting because he says all of those things that we all resonate with as human. Assuming we're human, I'm not convinced in these definitions that I'm human. But um, if all of those things are human, then they're more human than any human will ever be. But then they are. They is is that is it really the two different species? Or is it a continuation of those species in evolution? Although they do say that maybe they came first. um, But this is just a very, because I would say all the things that he mentioned that are human is the core of being human. So in our core are we naturally sensates and is the battle an illusion. Um, He starts this off with, where is my allegiance? And I think that is an important aspect of the conversation, too, because he blurs the patriotism, right? So as humans in our current time we have the, the so it's Independence Day for the United States, and it's the they know that's the supposed to be the epitome of celebrating the United States and the allegiance to that. Um, and does his allegiance go to India? Does it go to the Queen? Does it go to the United States? So that from a young age, he globally saw, he saw himself as a global being. He saw himself as more than the compartments that the humans made. Um, and in this series, he's also showing himself. It, 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 to me, that carries over to who Jonas is in his role with the P- BPO and um, his allegiance because to me it's about trying to there's a there's sort of an innate thing from a young age that he saw beyond the border boundaries and the borders, and he's been trying to bring it together and um dissolve the borders and and let them all come into one being, which I think is what we all need to do, but then he has this black and white idea of them versus us he longs for that but that's not who he is like it would be easier if life was as simple as us versus them it's to me that's a very convoluted like the more i dive into it the more confused by these lines that i get and i guess that's a confusing thing
1: well we live in a world of duality and they they might not contradict each other Mm -hmm. on a deeper level than duality in a way the the idea of us versus them versus oneness we'll say like Mm -hmm. as a cluster right they they share each other they're an ecosystem they're parts the sum is greater than the parts and so maybe this is the supra-natural way of creating a contextual field for a certain experience, where it's not really us versus them. It is an appreciation for the opposite. So let me explain that real quick. Um, we have duality and my the deeper for me the deeper understanding of duality isn't opposites Duality you have we'll say good and evil, good and evil aren't opposites. Good and evil create a contextual field for the experience of a human per se to have a choice to have an experience, so you can go, you can be happy and joyful and all this kind of stuff one day and and you can crash and you can be sad the next, right? So they're they're not good and evil. Duality isn't consistent. It's not reality. It's not something that's real, but there is a level of consciousness above duality where you see how both things are working together to create this experience for yourself.
0: I think that might be exactly what the lines Jonas has mean because it's set up by saying I'm seeing how the pieces fit together and it's difficult for me to compartmentalize and choose sides. But when Will talks about his father, and maybe that we talk about exactly what you said, and yet we see in humanity, um, the interpretation of this often gets simplified. So I talk about it when I'm working with spiritual concepts or I have visions or I, I do readings and it, or I can have a deep meditative state of understanding about our world from all that is. <laughs> but as soon as I try to translate that to another person and I'm restricted by the time and space and language, it becomes simplified and that simplification is part of the human experience, even if our humanness is far more than that experience. And then then that creates a, a contextual field that you're talking about where we interact in that way. So I think you're right. It gives an indication of the extension of humanity, the the dynamics of it, I think that we see it even in in the interpretation of the good and the bad in the show, right? Like we assume Whispers is the bad guy and only the bad guy. and that he must be working to harm sensates. We assume, you know, some people assume Jonas is we assume that, and we're we're starting that dialogue here with riley. and And at one point, Riley later on says to will, you know, Irsa told us we should be careful. He, we shouldn't trust him. He works for the BPO. And Will says that he's not sure, but all he knows is that we need to stick together. You know, so he's not picking sides, but they're being asked to pick sides in a sense. So Jonas is explaining that that is part of human. So is all of these other beautiful things. And if in that side, the sensates have, but then we're also seeing. Um, the the sensates, the cluster, behaving from both sides of that. And so, yeah, that continuation, that spectrum, where are we putting our attention, and how does it get translated from that spot?
1: Right. The, The contextual field of relativity, you can't have one without the other. So you can't have a happy without a sad. They're the same It's a, it's a, it's a same, it's one energy, Mm -hmm. but it's just has different functions and you can't separate the two.
0: So, can you separate a sensei from a human or a sensorium from a human, especially when they're born so far? As far as we know, they're all born to humans. So, that's an interesting this is when it's like, oh, I do wish we could have twenty more seasons. Right.
1: Because <laughs> Let's explore all of these concepts. Well, right. Um I read a blog once and it talked about the, the DNA aspects and the kind of the science behind what they're talking about in the show, or at least trying to um answer that question. And basically the both parents had to have one of the genes. Oh, right. Right? So they might not be a sensorium, but they carry a sensorium gene, and both of them together, had a baby that got both the genes, and that's what made them right. a sensate. Right? So a human is a carrier of the gene, but they aren't that themselves, so there we go. We but have, then,
0: And then we're going to we have another clip about where, where they continue on and talk. Um, but he talks. I don't know if we grabbed the clip of this but he talks about the chromosome and one little shift changes us from walking on 4 feet to 2 feet and right. being connected to nature to not being connected to nature. So and then we know with the DNA there's so, so much of the strand that we don't even understand the function of. Like we say that it it's not doing anything. <laughs> Hard to believe, right? <laughs> So, um, yeah, so it's all within us. I guess then you're right. Like, it is all within us. And does the evolution come from the random chromosome, you know, through sex and birth? Or does it come from consciousness? It, it, It could be activated either way, maybe.
1: It could be. All right, so let's listen to some more of will and jonas talk here on the bench
2: years ago i was on your side of this conversation and the man in my place was the father of our cluster he was telling me all sorts of bullshit about the sicilian about how he could feel from this present moment all the way back to the first breath this cluster overtook he was telling me what it meant to be sensei but I I, I don't understand how they never found me out. I've I've had x-rays, MRIs, blood tests. The differences are very subtle. Understand, we are closer to humankind than a bonobo is to a baboon. You've got to know what you're looking for. Evolution is frugal in her variation. One small chromosome here or there, and you walk on two legs instead of four. But I look the same. I feel the same. Really? in most ways you mean when you're not sharing your most private thoughts with someone on the other side of the world
0: so there you go <laughs> i love that when he says i look the same i feel the same and jonas goes do
1: you <laughs> right and then disappears <laughs> or that's what it was in the screen you just should see a shot of will I really liked when he talked about his father was just feeding him lines of bullshit about the sicilium. I love that because the, uh, the journey into spirits or metaphysics or, or higher consciousness, whatever words you want to use. when you step out of three dimensional reality. It's just so vague and it's, there's, it's, there's no roadmap per se. Um, it's just not as linear. So it's really when when you start breaking into, I'll use this term, awakening or waking up or waking up a part of yourself. Maybe that's your intuition or maybe you're waking up into empathy or whatever that journey may be. Um, I don't want to single any one aspect out and say that's it because it's not. It's a spectrum of experience, in my opinion but it's so convoluted and there's no right answers. There's no wrong. Like you really have to trust yourself. And that's one of the first messages Jonas has. So I thought it was great because some of the things in my own life and my own experience, I'm like, man, this is bullshit. Even though I have the experiences for it, because it's not, you can't explain it. It's not linear. Sometimes it makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. Like when we're talking about, you know, spirits per se or higher consciousness, and you understand potentials, potentials aren't necessarily reality, right? So whether that's a reading or a intuitive um, message, or maybe you get a vision in a meditation, whatever that may be, it doesn't necessarily mean now, right? If you get a message to act now, it, sometimes it's not now. Sometimes you've reached into the future potential and you're feeling the um, excitement to move in that now instead of this now. So anyway, as you can see as I'm talking, it just gets so messy when you start dealing with other potentials and timelines and all this kind of stuff.
0: I think it goes back to what um, I said a few minutes ago about how impossible it is to explain these experiences through words to another person. So the words are bullshit, and yet they're not, because that's the vessel that we have to communicate. But communication that is more in the lines of limbic resonance is so much clearer than communication through words. So a few years ago, I having been a speaker of spirituality and speaking about this and teaching all these concepts, I looked at the, inner and being on the internet, a lot of webinars and radio show, all of that, and I just looked and I'm like, oh, there's so many words about this out there. I can't, I don't want to say another word about it. I don't want to put any more words out there. Even though I completely believed Everything I was saying in my attempt to convey it, you know the whole goal is to we experience this, and we want to help others experience it. We want them to right. have the experience. So we run around in circles trying to find ways to explain it, and if it's not experienced, if it's only heard, it's bullshit. It doesn't work. Right. So it's like when I so then that's when I started the Consciously Awesome program. So basically, it's the getting people into that state of oneness. One of the hardest things to teach people, as they move into that state, that everything that they knew that got them there, and this is what I was experiencing when I said that everything that got me there became obsolete, once I was there, but it didn't take the value away from it. Because I wouldn't have gotten there without it. So like Jonas's dad, his cluster dad, telling him all this stuff, in retrospect, now that he's living it, it's like bullshit, right? It's like, and even in the beginning, before he experienced it, it felt like bullshit. But on the way to the experience and making sense of the experience, it helped. And that's what he's offering Will here. Because we we do need to integrate it into our consciousness. We need to start... To understand it. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the desk with Wolfgang's locks and getting the brain to unlock and to think in those ways. and is I don't think that that's a coincidence that that's in this episode because we're unlocking those truths. And there is a path and there is something you can learn. There's systems, there's uh, familiarities, there's similarities that you can use to get there. But once that unlocks... The lock the process of unlocking becomes obsolete.
1: right. And if you don't have um, somebody around to help you out with that, sometimes you keep going back instead of forward right right to so pick up pick up the past or go back on that healing journey. or what I like that you're talking about, and I've definitely done this with my life, is when you have an amazing experience and you want to share it, I have tried to communicate to communicate so hard that it pulls me out of the experience. Right. And it, and it pulls me down in a way because I'm going backward instead of forward. And you know, when you experience grace and love, it's just why is not, why isn't everybody experiencing these things? Right. Like this is the core of the human experience everybody should be doing, but then you get into words and belief systems and different, and everybody can meet. There's eight eight billion different walks of life and there's eight billion different um, ways to the top of the mountain. And it's, it's the experience that we're really looking for. So having those words as a guidepost and maybe not um, commandments, whatever those may be for you in your life is, is very helpful. And then just not once you're there, don't go back, <laughs> right you gotta go for you gotta just be in it and yeah, I guess
0: that comes back to why to me, the most important thing about Jonas is that he began by telling them to trust themselves and their inner knowing, and i I think, yeah, we're gonna use words, we're gonna try to help you out wherever we can, but the baseline is. It's gotta come from within you. You gotta trust yourself. Accept what feels right. Let go of the rest. Maybe it'll feel right later. Yeah,
1: and, and you mentioned that line he said to Riley, and it's really sinking in. He's like, Well, I you know, it's like, I don't know who to trust, but we, we need to help each other out. And ultimately, when it comes down to living life, you have to live it for yourself and you have to live with the decisions you make.
0: Right. And so far they've they've done that and they've trusted each other as a cluster, which is amazing right that they haven't questioned too much their trust in each other and that knowing that they're somehow here to help each other out
1: well they can't hide from each other
0: right exactly that is the key when we can't hide from another
1: yeah transparency is key yeah
0: that soul connection and i yeah when you said that i have to go back to that twin flame connection that deep deep connection because you can't it Sometimes it sucks because it doesn't, like the words don't fit, but you know what the, like, so it's like, no matter what the person is saying, you know the truth in them because it's that deep of a connection. So that's what the cluster is experiencing. They can't, they could lie to each other. They could be jerks when they came together in the physical world. It could happen. We're humans and sensates, you know, but, um, but you can't lie past that knowing that that experience and that's what they have to trust
1: right and in on a practical level depending on you as a person how developed your or keen your empathetic skills are and other gifts maybe intuition empathy and you throw them all together and you can even throw in some logic there too but i'm really good with people and reading energy of people and timelessness and this kind of stuff so and i know you've called me out on this a bunch sheila over the years is like zach whatever you're saying is not what you mean right now because you know the energy is different right Mm -hmm. so we don't we're not necessarily twin flames per se but on a different level on a on a human level you know and i know you know we know we know each other so well and um you just you can read people right whether you're interpreting the the language or their perception of what's happening correctly is, you know, up to them. But you can you can look at a person and know what's going on if they're, mm-hmm. you know, if they if everything's in alignment with how they're presenting themselves.
0: And the reality is, so for taking you for an example. If I say that to you, you're not necessarily purposely lying in that moment. You're just not aware of another feeling that you're having.
1: Or I'm choosing what I want it to be and not what I'm feeling.
0: Right. So I just want, like, I think that's important because, you know, we're talking about living the sensate life. So when we travel, when we um, translate that to the way we interact with people and we we get those feelings so as you go through your day and you experience those feelings with people and you feel that contradiction or contrast between what your gut or your heart tells you they're feeling and what they're saying don't assume that they're trying to manipulate or or give you a false answer it's possible that they're just not in alignment with their truth yeah yeah so speaking about knowing your truth, and should we go? We have a clip with Kala and her father that I love um the way he represents the same storyline.
1: There we go. I believe this they're in the hospital, I think.
0: Yeah, it's after they're either still in Yeah.
1: I think so. They're still in the waiting room.
0: Yeah, they're in a waiting room. Yeah. For some reason <laughs> I'm laughing at myself because because of the way the waiting room is designed in the type of chairs, I just always assumed it was a bus station, which makes no sense at oh, all really? in the story. It
1: could have even been a really dark airport. Who knows? Or the police station. It Maybe it could have been
0: the police station. Because it was where she was being interrogated, I think. But they could have moved in this one, too. Anyway, we don't room. Right, a waiting but the room. police
1: could have been. to the the hospital exactly yeah yeah. well I'm just laughing at
0: myself because it clearly wasn't a bus station (laughs) here
1: we go
3: perhaps because he knew his own son wouldn't listen to him this was a love marriage after all but it's possible that Rajan will now have a different reaction if it turns out that this is his father's very last wish by telling Rajan now you will actually empower his father giving him more control over Rajan's life than he had while he was alive. Interesting. The simple solution would be to tell the truth and let the chips fall where they may. But if this marriage holds the possible future of a long and happy life together, is it right to let a dominating man take that away from you? And yet to not tell Rajan is to build whatever happiness you might find Upon a secret? Not an easy decision to be sure, but one that I know you already have the answer for.
1: I really like how her father has confidence in her. Oh, it's
0: incredibly beautiful. Yeah. He, oh my God, he's like such an amazing person, (laughs) you know? And we see that in so many ways. He knows her very well, but he also always mirrors to her that same message that you know what is right for you and that I'm going to honor that in
1: you. And I believe this is one of his um, deeper lines Mm -hmm. that he gets to say. Like, this is a pretty good theme here to talk about, like this dilemma of how are you going to handle this situation? And he gets to present it. So I thought that was cool because we had another supporting character Mm -hmm. deliver that.
0: Right. And I I do, I really love that, because that he talks about the simple solution would be to do this, because I think there's a fundamentalist type of energy in our thinking often, because it would be easier, it kind of goes back to Jonas and Will, and how easy it just, you know, you envy the people that can just see things as black and white, and this or that. And um, because if you have a rule book of, well, I'm going to tell the truth in all situations. And so you go and you do that without thinking about what that truth means or what it does to people, you know, or how it plays itself out without taking some responsibility in the process, right? So that would empower somebody who necessarily wasn't not wasn't necessarily telling the truth because of our belief system it may not have empowered it that would be up to Rajan but and and maybe that would be a a way to see you know like so if he empowers that then he wasn't the right person for me right because he takes that simple
1: message right but I really feel like she's only entertaining the idea of this marriage for her physical security. I'm not saying that she's not learning to adore him as a person, but she was never in love with him to begin with, right? So he's this person of great status with that can bring her much physical security, and not only that, she's going to be exclusive. Like, she's going to have... A, uh, a partner that her peers would die to have.
0: Yeah, I don't see that as her motivation. It, to me, that doesn't. It aligns with her character only to this, this sense that she hasn't been proactive in life. That she just sort of goes along with the flow of it. And so, if other people, she wants to please other people, but to me, I feel like she never experienced love she never experienced passion before the cluster opened and she met wolfgang so when she said yes to that and from the belief of what relationships she's seen that that love was enough love before that was what she knew love would be and she assumed it would grow she's got parents who didn't even know right. each other and then they grew into a beautiful relationship so she's been raised by the idea that when two good people come together and respect each other, and there's a in common to communicate well and be good to each other, then love will grow and passion will start to grow if that's important. And so to me, yeah, it's not just about status or money. I don't see anything in her that says that that's what she's going for. Other than that, maybe that's what society would like her to have. I don't see that part of her at all. I see it more of this is all I know. And so this is a good fit. He'd be mm-hmm. a good father. He'd be, it just fits. You know, that's all he know- she knows. And then... Suddenly in the middle of it, she experiences something else that she didn't know existed. And now there's a conflict from it because that love isn't all there is now.
1: It is interesting to see because really she's at a point where she gets to choose to manipulate a situation, right? into whatever she feels is the best way because she holds information that Rajan does not. And we really, what what we've learned over the series, in my opinion, is you have to be true to yourself. So does she want to take this secret to her grave? Or does she want to be, she's going to have to hold on to this for a very long time. And then she's building her relationship on a distortion, so to speak.
0: Right. But what he's saying is uh, it's not a simple truth because... The simple truth, the easiest thing for her to do would be to just tell him right away, or to have told him right away, and then he may leave her because the father has more power over him. So we're really that that lying about the father having more power for, over him when he's dead than alive is the key to me because that's what we saw with son and. In some ways, Wolfgang didn't free himself from his dad when his dad died. So there's a lot of storylines of that um, playing in when we hold on to the last words, the dying wishes of someone instead of letting them grow, or why we give power to that one line. Like, that one line wasn't going to have power had he not gotten shot and possibly died. So the truth of telling him that that was said without thinking through how you say it or what the ramifications isn't really full truth either because now it's weighted by this situation. So I just really like... I really like what her dad says about that and the power that dead people can have over,
1: you know, he says. Well, he's already influential over his life. Like he said, he's going to have more power.
0: In his death than he did in his life. And And I think that's that's key. And I think it has to be considered when she makes this decision. And he's saying, but you know what to do inside of you. Right.
1: I'm just really glad he got to illustrate that for her because she's young and she might not, you don't see this, but she might not have thought of those, that impact. We don't know as an audience member. Right. Right. So I just thought it was really, that's, that's good wisdom to show that, you know, a father is passing on to his daughter and like, this is not an easy situation.
0: Right. And it goes to kind of what we were just saying from the other clip where, she didn't, she's questioning, why didn't I tell him? Why didn't I tell the police? Because she doesn't, she didn't know why she wasn't telling him. She, like, she if she had blurted it out, the impact would have been different. She took time to think it through and to question herself on, why didn't I just say it? What, it wasn't relevant. I needed time to sort this because
1: it's not a simple truth. Well, if we go back to that scene, she didn't want to marry him. And then... All of a sudden, he comes in, and they're at the temple, and he's like, okay, I I don't give this marriage my blessing anymore. And then all of a sudden, she's like, oh, God, now I want it.
0: Did she say, now I want it?
1: No, but she... He gets shot. He he gets stabbed, and the way she was acting was now that it's not her choice anymore to say yes or no. Somebody else was making that choice for her, and she then flipped around and was like, She got even more flustered, but she couldn't handle like then the chaos of the stabbing happened, right? So there wasn't, she was really confused because somebody had taken that decision away from her and now she's, she's still confused. So I'm just going back to what happened before he got in the hospital. She didn't want to marry him (laughs) and when she got called out on it, then, then all of a sudden she wasn't okay with it. So she's just very, um, very wishy-washy. How about we go ahead and check out the next clip with Jonas? And this is still him and Will talking.
2: Watch a flock of birds or a shoal of fish move as one. And you glimpse where we came from. Ask how aspen trees feel trauma hundreds of miles apart. Or how a mushroom can understand the needs of a forest. You begin to grasp what we are. Our kind has been here since the beginning. In all likelihood, we were the beginning. What I want is to make sure we're there at the end. But if there's another species of Homo Sapien, how can it be a secret? Secrets are important to their species. Secrets are the center of their identities, of their societies. Secrets maintain their hierarchies. To reveal this secret, that there is another kind of human one whose existence threatens the very fundament of their reality no they'll never allow that
1: I really loved the uh, this clip too because he's painting the dichotomy between the species right this the sensates they thrive on transparency and the humans thrive on secrecy so it's not really good versus evil It's transparency versus secrets.
0: Right. I have so much to say about that, but I want to go to the beginning first because I don't want to overlook the incredible beauty of the beginning lines of the aspen trees being connected. Um, It's said that the roots of the trees go throughout the whole world and they connect. And it does bring to mind what Michael talked about with when we were connected to nature. That that was our natural state, and we somehow moved away from it. So it's talking about that process, that journey, and the evolution of that, and that we would be there in the end, too. For me, the translation has been that we were in that state, and that we we actually evolved in a descending type of way to feel that separation so we could experience it and grow on a deeper level. And then we come back up and we reconnect with it. And I, I want to get into that reconnection and, and what secrets and transparency means and all of that. But first I want to tell everyone the story of me the other day that I told you, Zach, but for everyone else. Um, so I was on a walk the other day, and it's spring here, and the trees are waking up from their their winter sleep, and it was one of the first really beautiful spring, everybody's awake kind of days. And I'm like really appreciating the trees. So I'm hearing them all happy and dialoguing about spring and waking up and and they're all chatting. So as I'm listening to them chat, I think to myself, maybe I'll be a tree. Like maybe I should reincarnate it as a tree. I wonder what it would be like to be a tree and would I have this whole other evolution where the humans were like ants or birds or, you know, just something. I guess it's like, I guess it is like what Jonas talks about, like we're living in the same reality but different realities, right? Because a life as a tree would be so different. So I'm contemplating all of this. And the tree, I'm walking down the street and this tree, this great big tree in front of me starts laughing. (laughs) And he says you talk to us now. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, that's how this all started. <laughs> so it just cracked me up and I laughed with the tree and I decided, oh, I don't have to be a tree to experience that life because I can experience the life of the tree and the human and the ant and all of that at once. But if I forgot that I could, then the this world, like, it's think about that. This The trees communicate with each other there's evidence of it they make noise they sing they do all of this so what we think of our reality they could be living in a completely different reality as a different species right here and so could the sensoriums and the humans you know right and we kind of are right but it's about us all being connected even to the so if a, if a sensorium wants to be here at the end, maybe so do the hum like maybe the humans evolved to that, or how does that go from there? How do we all bring that back? So then we can get into the transparent I mean, there's just so much in here. But I just that line to me and that remembering that the disconnect from nature is one of the biggest things that happened.
1: Yeah, I agree. It is one of the biggest things that happened. And I think one of the how we can reconnect with humans and nature is really through compassion. right? If you're If you're not super empathetic, then you can start to develop compassion for everybody in their walk of life because you know how all the struggles that you've had. And then you can really start to work on empathy or limbic resonance. But I really think that's the key to start reconnecting with humanity again on that level.
0: I think that and imagination, right? Because going back to Cappius and the television and the need for imagination, if I didn't imagine I could speak to a tree, then I couldn't speak to a tree, right? Because if I didn't imagine that they were communicating, I didn't imagine even in that day, like... To me, the tree that jumped out and said, well, you're already talking to us, that cracked me up because I didn't like the rest of it was sort of like I felt like I was just imagining like I noticed them, but I was imagining what it would be like to communicate with them without noticing that I was until out of nowhere, it popped in and I'm like, oh, right. So that imagination and, and people being afraid that it's crazy. I think that's one of the limitations of our current human existence is, actually lack of imagination um and why arts are so important
1: yeah it it reminds me of the scene with wolfgang and his cousin when he's beating him up and he's mocking him for being the smart guy right but instead of the smart guy who who gets ridiculed it's the one who's full of empathy and imagination
0: yeah it's both right i mean you could be both
1: You sure yeah Like, that's the the detriment of our society is like, oh, well, you're crazy because you imagine that you're talking to trees or whatever. so Right. So, Sheila, why do you think transparency is such a problem for humans and their hierarchy of secrecy?
0: Well, I think, to me, what Jonas is kind of referring to is... So we talked about when we disconnected from nature and set, so there's natural laws that just exist that all of nature follows and you just sort of are in sync with each other and you follow those. And then we have all these man-made laws and structures when kind of the humans tried to master the lands of the earth or something and master each other. And so there's this hierarchy that's unnatural, that's based in, in secrets because, because it is unnatural, everyone ends up, the hierarchy itself isn't even fulfilling the laws that it creates. And so out of that lack of nature, it creates from the top down a system in which people end up having
1: secrets yeah, I think the the hierarchy of secrecy, so to speak, is threatened through transparency because trans with transparency you don't have control. There's no control, there's no domination, there's no propaganda. You you're not when you are sovereign and you're transparent, like we wouldn't the the laws would change? Right. People would how they act would change like just every this this whole system that we have in place would fall apart in no time if there was transparency and what i really liked to hear from michael summers in our interview is he said that the kids today are really practicing this thing called honesty And that was really awesome because if you go online, you know, everybody knows about keyboard warriors and yeah, there's, there's things you say behind a keyboard and things you wouldn't say in front of somebody's face and all this kind of stuff. So just this, instead of having a facade of your person, you know, you are, you have courage and you're honest and authentic and kids are checking themselves with their authenticity based on the alignment that they see within themselves like their um you know their empathy that we were just talking about like me and you we can go back and forth and like oh zach that's not right you know maybe you mean something else and maybe not so but i just thought i really thought that was a glimmer of hope for the futures because that's really important that the kids are practicing practicing this whole honesty thing and holding each other accountable, so to speak, because we're really running into a world that is filled with emptiness. And what do I mean by What do you mean by emptiness, Zach? Well, we have AI, right? We just watched a video a couple weeks ago that was put together from President Barack Obama giving a speech, and it was all AI generated, like it was all generated. He, if you listen to his words, he, was just, he wasn't just—he was talking. It was just a totally fabricated video, and you couldn't tell the difference that it was reality or fake because of all of the technology we have. So I just think it's really important because we're not going to know. I mean, we don't, I'm going to put on my, my tinfoil hat, but we really don't know what's real and what's not right now anyway So practicing getting in tune with yourself and your intuition and checking your alignment is really going to help you discern what is going to be beneficial for you as a person going forward with the level of technology and propaganda that we have, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, and I think that that theme comes through the episode and the ones before. And like you said, our conversation with Michael, because... Again, Carla's dad and Jonas both saying you have to trust yourself. You have to know yourself. And I think that is key. And taking time to look at the possible outcomes and to align with the one and choose consciously even even Leto and Wolfgang being able to step out of time and see a different perspective and then calculate a decision, which happened to be blowing a whole bunch of people up, which is interesting, too, because I think even that kind of talks about, well, we're sensoriums, yet we have those behaviors, too, because there's killing going on with them, too. But aside from that, the idea that... Um, we talked about language is limiting. I think our verbal language does lead itself to lies because it can't capture the full truth in any situation. And the hierarchy based on that, the rules, the trying to control the environment, trying to control other people, it's this disconnect that we have from nature and that makes us, Frightened and makes us want think if we can organize and control. It's like a species of OCD, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Like if we can control everything, then we'll feel safe. Instead of going in and learning how to feel safe, and and when you reach that potential, when you can communicate beyond the limitations of words or propaganda or any of these structures and you can see the bigger truth you can step out of time you can you can navigate from this higher consciousness you can't be controlled right and that becomes a threat because really to me i think they're talking about when the world of humans wake up the current hierarchy will tumble and that hierarchy is tumbling as we wake up in real life. Yeah, and that's frightening. And when that happens, those people who have been in charge of the hierarchy are going to fight for it.
1: it. It's interesting to me. Just a quick side note: we have this, this, the the new age. One of the core functional concepts is going to be transparency. Like we're we're just that's transparency is functional secrecy is dysfunctional Mm -hmm. right the darkness cannot it's dysfunctional and eventually it eats itself up and we have here in america anyway and i know it's all around the world but we have this this governmental system that expects us to be transparent but it doesn't (laughs) expect to be transparent right it's a one-way show and when that flips around there's not the controls the strings aren't going to be able to be pulled because of all the shenanigans that, you know, we've been sending our sons and daughters to stupid wars for stupid reasons. And all of this bullshit that we've been doing is just going to dissipate because there's transparency on both sides of the fence and people aren't just, people aren't stupid. <laughs> right. And they're just going to stop doing stupid things because that veil of ignorance that is going to be lifted. So I think it's just going to be, um, quite the transition
0: and it's a little messy
1: yeah for sure
0: messy like birth right
1: (laughs) yeah very messy birth scenes
0: and right so we have the birth scenes that we're jumping to but let's not miss this transition because the earth the human species are birthing into a new level of consciousness we're going through some birth pains on a global level then we move into the symphony of birth that is Sense8 here um, in in the very end of this episode. So, first of all, we've got all the... Ooh, ooh, see what I just did? I talked about transitions as we were transitioning into the symphony. And when we had Ethan on, we used this cl- that clip of transition to uh-huh. show the music. And then even the doorbell, the little detail at the end, see... Like what I did. <laughs> so anyway, transition, symphony, incredible. Still listening to the sound and all of those little nuggets of insight that Ethan gave us. But here at the end, we see each person's birth and how that represents and influenced their life, which is just kind of cool.
1: Yeah, that was pretty cool.
0: So just to kind of recap... Riley's, I believe she's at her neighbor's house because I think that's mentioned earlier, but they're there. Her mom is, it's a home birth, I think, at the neighbor's. I think it happened sooner than it was expected, but her dad's at a concert and he plays into the phone. And then they actually put the phone up to her head as she's birthing out, like Riley said, not just her mom's. So that's kind of a cool connection to her father, to her music. My guess on Lido. Lido's house is all full. They're all watching the television and I've been trying to, I need a bigger flat screen. <laughs> they're all trying, they're all watching. And I, I think my interpretation is it's his dad on the screen dancing in a contest.
1: I'm going to have to rewatch this episode because that's not what I saw.
0: What did you see them watching?
1: I saw a guy throw a guy into a pool.
0: Oh, maybe it was. Like it does. I could
1: be wrong. Yeah, I know. We can have to go back. I need to.
0: And we all do. Because at first I saw nothing. I didn't get it. Then I saw his dad. And then another time I did see wait, wait, something just fell down. But I'm thinking if it was the tango, he might have dipped someone. But I don't know. But either way, they're more focused on the TV, the TV than his birth, even his mom. So. I guess I went with the dancing because Lito said his father was a dancer. But it's the idea. Like, skip that. Maybe I went too deep. But
1: They're paying attention to the actors.
0: Right. So that it kind of, he has to be seen. So it's like Riley's kind of told from the beginning to be seen. You need to be... Music. Music. And he's kind of told from the beginning, to TV. be seen you need TV.
1: And then we have Will's dad helping with the birth and a cop was it a cop car? I think Yeah, I think yeah. it
0: was his cop car. And yeah. and they didn't make it and but he's able to bring him in, but it's in the cop cars again to be seen. <laughs> be <Yeah>. a cop.
1: <laughs> Kala at home, maybe home, but Yeah, no. it
0: was a traditional the traditional women. Coming together in India, the incense, the spirituality of that my guess is there's a the Ganesh there that I didn't see, but all of that sort of traditional um, Indian woman is kind of what's expected of her in that moment as they bring her in that way, probably. It's raining too. I noticed that because she has that rain thing, and then Wolfgang has the water thing mm-hmm. so.
1: Um son's mom at a cemetery.
0: Yeah, so that's an influencing, right? Like that's a foreshadowing of of her mom's death being son's influencing life arc story.
1: And then we have Nomi's mom Janet at the hospital with a C-section, so they kind of broke it up there, right? It was normal births and then we have it one C-section.
0: Right, and she's alone, right? She's the only one that's alone, very sterile environment, unnatural, mm-hmm. um, no one there to support her. A baby gets taken out.
1: It was even a dark room. Yeah. Like It was very dark, except for the light, the doctor said.
0: And she does, ma- I mean, you hear, she says Michael. So being Michael was what she needed him to be. She needed that. She was birthing her companion in a way, and he didn't live up to that.
1: Then we have Wolfgang's madre in the in the pool.
0: Yeah, and what a happy, yeah, gentle birth that he had for such a a violent life. Right. So that's interesting. But we do see where you know the water reconnects him probably to his mother, to because she definitely did not look. Like the rest of the crew that we see in Wolfgang's family.
1: Right. She did have a tattoo on her arm. I did notice that.
0: But she seemed joyful and light. Right. Not a gangster. Yeah. um, But natural in that birth and the connection to the water.
1: We have Caffias' mom. She's on her knees. Yeah. giving, Giving birth like they do. Right. And she's got help with her, too.
0: Yeah, and he she's still in that same environment that they sort of are, the natural Kenya. I don't know if she was in like a tribe in the beginning because she leaves. I don't know exactly how that works, but that connection, that's what I saw, um, the, the way she looks at him. There's more attention on him of that mother than any of them in that you see because you don't really see too much of what's in, around except
1: that luck that she gives him right and then riley we have riley giving birth
0: yeah and that's our first glimpse at her giving birth in a very we we start to see a violent type of dangerous natural and i mean she's paying attention but you can feel there's tension there and then it it leads her to a nosebleed and she passes out.
1: And falls the, over like the, yeah. the like the the seats in front of her or something. That was an intense fall.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that's how we leave it. So let's leave it with you. <laughs> we'll be back next week.
1: <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for spending your time with us here today. I got to give a big shout out to our editor, Sarah Applegate. You can contact us And on the Twitter at live underscore sense eight dot com. You can shoot us an email at team at live sense eight dot com. You can head on over to Patreon to support the show so we can grow. That's Patreon dot com forward slash live sense eight. And thank you so much for all your social love on social media. And we'll catch you next time.